Welcome to the Investing Tutor Podcast, the show for professionals looking to master the most up-to-date strategies needed to build wealth and provide a stable financial future. Here's your host, Dr. Hans Boateng. Hello, friends. Dr. Hans here, the Investing Tutor, and I have an incredible episode for you today. I'm interviewing Abby Wemimo. He is the founder of eSusu, which is a fintech company helping individuals save money and build credit. Abby has been quietly working on this company for years. They've raised over $4 million with their startup. And I wanted to have him on to share his story and provide some insights and wisdom to, you know, new entrepreneurs and also individuals who are interested about personal finance. So without further ado, help me welcome the CEO of eSusu, Abby. Welcome. Thanks a lot, Dr. And such a pleasure to be here and to, you know, share some of the experiences I've had um, working on eSusu. So it's interesting. Most Let's say Africans in their startup phase, especially if they are at a point where they've been able to raise millions of dollars, they are really in the spotlight. But you've been quietly working on eSusu. And, and I'm curious, is it just how you are? You prefer to kind of, you know, be under the radar or have you just been super busy and super focused in building your company? Thanks a lot, Dr. Hans. Um, my grandmother always say the empty barrel makes the loudest noise. Um, so for me, it's always important to go out there with substance, do the work, making sure you're building a mansion on a solid foundation, right? And going out there to just scream at something that has not been built. So over the past years, we've been building the blocks, understanding our user base and asking ourselves a quintessential question. How can we impact the lives of people and make money for our shareholders while doing that? Checking that balance in an honest way requires a lot of retrospection, failures, but at the same time, a degree of focus that's not needed for you to shout about in the marketplace. So the guiding principle for me and the rest of the team is just being focused, execute with quality, and then you can talk about what you're doing. So let's dive into talking about eSusu. You know, back in Ghana, Susu is this concept of the community or a group of individuals coming together to kind of save money. And then it goes by turns where each individual gets a lump sum of money, let's say each month. So that was the concept that I'm familiar with. Can you dive into what you're looking to create and build with your company and if it mimics the, you know, susu that we know in Ghana? Precisely, Dr. And So when we think about a susu, it's actually the same thing. It's just called a susu in Yoruba culture in Nigeria, which essentially means the same thing you just described, a collective of people coming together to pull resources and manage cash flow. We started a susu as a savings company digitizing that century-old idea to make sure people can pull their capital cap together and take turns distributing that capital and building credit. But what we learned, particularly, 
working in the United States is folks wanted another medium where they could get access to cheap credit. If we think a step back and think about income inequality in the United States, which the average white family has over 10 times as more wealth than the average black family, it's because of cheap debt. So that's what the users posed to us. They said, if we can save enough, we will save. But we don't, we're not paid enough and we don't have access to the capital. So Isusu, how can you help us build our credits and get access to cheap debt so we can move the frontiers of our lives forward? And that's what led to what we are doing now, which is working with large landlords, capturing rental data, and reporting it into the credit rating agencies. And that does three things. Number one, when we report rental data, it improves residents' credit scores. And number two, for those that can pay their rent, we offer them a micro loan. So the landlord is not evicting them. And as a society, we're not solving homelessness backwards. So that's a brief etiology from savings, listening to the consumer, and then evolving to more credit focused and providing them with cheap capital. So we're paving that permanent bridge to financial access and inclusion. You know, Abby, the average person does not understand the importance of credit. I was, you know, born in Ghana. And as you know, back in Africa, we, we didn't have access to credit. If you want to buy something, you either have to be able to afford it or perhaps you, you know, borrow money from, uh, you know, family or a friend <laughs> to be able to do it. So this concept of credit is relatively new to, let's say, immigrants. And even for individuals here, let's say, you know, minorities, I don't think the average person realizes that there's way more credit in America than there is cash. Can you break down and explain why credit is super important and why in certain individuals get access to credit at lower interest versus, you know, others having to get credit at a much higher interest rate, which further widens inequality? Great question, Dr. Ernst. That's a three-part question, and I'll do everything I can to address it. Number one, just like you, I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. So our neighbors just probably have um, Togo separating Nigeria and Ghana, and I spend a lot of time in Ghana. And you're right. You either pay with cash, a system of cash and carry, or your father's last name will determine the kind of access to debt you can have on the African continent, um, on Nigeria or Ghana specifically in West Africa. When I came to the United States with my mother in Minnesota, we didn't have a credit score. We walked into one of the biggest banks to borrow money. We're turned away and had to go borrow money from a predatory lender at over 400% interest rate. In addition to that, my mother pawned my father's wedding ring. And that's how we started our journey in this country. So that's what led us to start Isusu on a simple premise. Where you come from, the color of your skin, and particularly something like your credit score shouldn't determine where you end up in life. Now, the natural question is, what is the importance of this thing called the credit score? And what's the correlation with credit? In the United States, your credit score is your financial identity. It's the means at which people judge you and trust you and answer a simple question. What is the propensity for you to pay back a debt obligation if they indeed loan you money? So an historical context here is if you do not have a good credit score, it will cost you over a quarter million dollars in interest over your lifetime. 
That's the calculation. And if you have a poor credit score, you're going to be excluded from wealth building activities like buying a home, which is the biggest driver of wealth in the United States, encompasses 76% of average wealth in the United States. So when we think about the history and the marginalization of folks in the United States not having access to credit, it went back to the days of Jim Crow, right? Slavery, excluding African-Americans, particularly not giving them an opportunity to play in the marketplace. Then you have the the issues of um, Jim Crow in the South, and then the housing crisis, whereby in the United States, just to make sure folks had home ownership and a continuous build of wealth, the government, through the Federal Housing Commission, gave folks access to cheap debt to be able to put down a mortgage and guarantee that mortgage. But Black people predominantly and other, you know, Uh, people of color were left behind, which created a chasm and the derivative of the largest income inequality we have in the history of the world, where the average white family has over 100,000 plus in wealth, and then the average black family has a meager amount less than $10,000. So that's where we find ourselves today. But the main tipping point is financial identity, your credit score. And then number two, using that to be able to borrow money There's a systemic inequality that's prevented people from getting there. And then today, we're not educated about improving that financial identity and it controls everything we do today. In some jobs, they'll check your credit score before they hire you. That's the utter importance. So if there's anything you need to take away from my short monologue, it is three things. Number one, If you do not have a good credit score, it will cost you over a quarter million dollars in interest over your lifetime. If you have a poor credit score, you might not get credible jobs because it questions your character of being able to pay back. And then number three, if you don't have a good credit score, there's a good chance your probability of getting wealth is infinitesimal or next to none because no one borrows you money and money in this country begats money. So in essence, Isusu is helping to fix income inequality in a way by allowing low and middle income individuals to be able to build credit. Is that the right view of what you're looking to do or the problem you're looking to solve? It's a great um, summarization, Dr. Ans, but Practically, what we do at Isusu and our mission right now is to keep working families in their homes. There's a lot of things we can do to leverage credits to, to bridge the racial wealth gap. But what we are doing right now, so there's a mission and there's a vision, right? The issue at hand is a large income inequality caused by the mistakes of the past. So Isusu's core focus, you know, as we sit today, is to keep working families in their homes. How do we do that? We work with you. When you pay your rent, we report it into the credit bureaus to build or establish your credit scores, right? And if you can't pay your rent, we, we loan you money so you don't get kicked out by your landlord. And then, number three, we're making sure that you're not evicted and you're not homeless. And as a society, we're not solving homelessness backwards. From a mission standpoint, that is what we're doing today. From a vision standpoint, what we want to do 
is leverage a plethora or a tapestry of data to bridge the racial wealth gap. Because until we address the issues of the racial wealth gap long term, America and the world at large will not reach its full potential. So ASUS's mission is, you know, leveraging data to keep working families in their homes and long term, leveraging that data to bridge the racial wealth gap. It's interesting because we find ourselves at a point where if a stimulus package isn't passed in the U.S., a lot of, you know, renters and even potentially homeowners face eviction. So as you're sharing this core, this core goal of keeping individuals or families, excuse me, in their homes, I think it is such an incredible just goal that you have and the timing of what you do is essential. Have you noticed your business kind of pick up with this whole pandemic going on? And where do you see in terms of when we come out of this pandemic, how do you see Isusu continuing to evolve that mission and goal for your company? So as we think about the pandemic, Dr. Ernst, we're facing the greatest economic disaster since the Great Depression. From an health standpoint, more people are dying than we saw in a lot of wars this country has fought, or even in certain events globally, what we've accounted for, for many natural disasters that's happened. There's no doubt 2020 has been a year to remember. And to talk about our business and what we're doing, we've clearly seen an optic and areas why. Our business has always been positioned to help people that have been marginalized, have been left behind. And we always talked about the fact in a downturn, we're going to expose the fractures in society. And that's precisely what's going on. From a number standpoint, we've grown five times, you know, since April. From a people standpoint, from a revenue standpoint, and then from a coverage standpoint. Today, Isusu works our partners have over a million rental units in the United States in 42 states in the union. That's a big fit considering we had, you know, just less than 500,000 unit partners around March. So when you think about the, the growth, it's impressive. But Isusu and for me and the leadership team, we have a mantra of just staying on a straight line. Don't get too excited by the noise and just focus on the work ahead. So that's what we're going to keep doing. We're facing a very tough, dire times right now. And what we are doing is making sure people are not evicted through our microloans program. And then above all, we're making sure hardworking families are staying in their homes and preparing for what's an aftermath of this catastrophic event we've seen in 2020 would look like. It's all about preparation and making sure we stand by working folks and making and just affirming the fact that a financial crisis should not lead us into more strain. So, Abby, is the long-term goal to be able to have eSusu list on you know the public markets in terms of as a company with the way that we see IPOs happening right now? Or do you see it as a company that's acquired by, by another large fintech company? 
Dr. Hans, the best way to answer that question for us is we're going to be performing, outperforming, and then dominating the marketplace, making sure we keep working families in their homes and leveraging that data to eliminate the racial wealth gap. You know, wherever routes that takes us to, either to the height of an IPO or whatever home that is, we just want to keep plowing forward. You know, it's it's not always good to make short-term decisions and think about things like that. What we always got to focus on is the job at hand. And that's what we're hyper-focused on right now. You know, there's a saying, little drops of water makes a mighty ocean. And Rome was certainly not built in a day. So, and... What we are doing right now is just focus on the work at hand. And if whatever outcome comes to bear, um, we'll then have a discussion then. But right now, we're doing all we can to keep working families in their homes. So Abby, with the listeners, I'm sure some of them are entrepreneurial at heart, but perhaps they have a day job and they are listening to you wondering, can you share what you've learned, right? The transition from perhaps a day job to being an entrepreneur and how to be an entrepreneur of substance, someone who is executing and working really hard versus someone who just wants others to see what they are doing. But when you look behind the curtain, there's not much substance there. I was really blown away in researching the accomplishments of you and your team and what you've been able to build. And I was quite surprised to know that you all have been very silent, but you've been doing the work. So what have you learned and what can you share for aspiring entrepreneurs? Thanks, Dr. Anz. We're humbled by your kind words of just building and doing the work. I think that's the mantra uh, we all need to take. For aspiring entrepreneurs, see, I've, I've had an experience working Isusu is my third rodeo. You know, I I start I built a water company that builds water infrastructure around the world, um, and did a lot of good work, particularly with the Ghanaian government. Um, you know, built a second company that was acquired in 2014, and then went on to the private sector at Goldman Sachs, Accenture, and PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I worked on deals that over 50 billion dollars from an mergers and acquisition standpoint. The reason why my co-founder and I decided to leave the coffers of the ivory towers of you know, corporate America is to do something bigger than ourselves. So for aspiring entrepreneurs out there, you know, my message is simple. Number one, believe in yourself. If you have a particular dream that is market tested and you've done your research, make sure you take a leap of faith. Fall forward. You know, in life, you might think those corporate jobs are things you want to, you know, fall back on or, you know, think about something safe. Be audacious, fall forward, take a leap of faith and try that little project you want to work on or try that little business idea you want to take a bet on because you only live one life and you need to live the life you've been created to live on the surface of the earth. So my advice, number one, is fall forward. Number two is this journey is hard and anything worth doing, it's important for you to have partners that will be on the journey with you to get it done. For me, I'm fortunate to have a co-founder, Simia Girl, whereby we're like brothers at this point and known each other for over seven years. We've gone through the highest of highs together. We've gone through the lowest of lows together. 
and we try as much as possible to keep ourselves honest and measured throughout the experience. And number three is you will get a lot of no's. You will fail. But understand, the most important thing is failure is preparing you for that success that's going to come along the way. Listen to your customer base. Don't just listen and say listen case. Be data-driven. Understand what the majority of the population is saying. Ask the right questions to yield the kind of products you want to build. And then if you do those three things, fall forward, bring good people to help you build a company, listen, um, and then understanding that you're going to fail. When you all do all that, always remember, all you're doing is to have an impact in the lives of people. If you're building a business to make a lot of money, that's cool. That's fine. You can do that. But you need to do something bigger than yourself. Something that is going to have a profound impact on people's lives. And purposely living and saying you took a shot of living the life you've been created to live. So for the listeners who perhaps are intrigued by what your company does and they want to look into your services, where do they go to be able to get access to that information or for individuals who want to connect with you at, as well? How would they be able to do that? For individuals that want to connect with me, feel free to connect on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn via my name, Abby Wemimo. Easy to find. For folks that want to learn more about what we are doing, go to isusurent.com. And just browse through. If you want to report your rental data to boost your credit score, click on the tenants tab. You can sign up very, very fast there. If you need capital and you're going through um, a tough time right now and you need to pay your rent, go to isusurentrelief.com and apply. I will respond and make sure we, we, do, we do the right thing and support you. So those are the two places you can reach me, isusurents.com. If you want to sign up for rent reporting, isusurentsrelief.com. If you have issues paying your rent, you, know, you can use you know, DH20, so short abbreviation for Dr. Anne's 20. So I'll note it came from this show um, and then we'll prioritize your application. Otherwise, you can find me on LinkedIn. We can engage because I always want to you know, paid forward for others coming behind me. Abby, thank you so much for taking the time to share your nuggets of wisdom with us. I know you are super busy building Isusu into one of the core fintech companies in the US and across the world. And I just want to acknowledge you for taking the time to speak with me and my audience today. Now, before we let you go, there's a core question that I ask every guest on the podcast. So you know the concept of generational wealth where you're passing on wealth to multiple generations, I thought of this concept of generational wisdom, right? So I want you to imagine there's a piece of paper and you can write down three things. And I know you already gave us your three points for entrepreneurs, but this could be all encompassing, right? So you can write down three things to pass on for multiple generations. What are the core three things that you would have on this sheet? That's a powerful question. Number one, 
is our faith. There's a lot of things in life that will shake you, shake your core as a human being, a lot of surprises, just our faith. I've not just faith, I've unwavering faith. Believe in that thing that's greater than you and say you can, you can overcome all odds. Number two is you will fail and that's okay. The good idea is failing fast and learning from it and making sure you can rise to the occasion and prepare yourself for the next day. And number three advice is wake up every morning and pray to ask for, if you believe in God, God, or whatever force you believe in, to help you live the life you've been created to live. It's very important. You might want to be a multi-millionaire, a billionaire, but if, if what you're put on this earth to do is a different thing, you're just going to run and eat your head on the wall and not progress. So my, my advice you know, is to have unwavering faith, understand that you will fail and embrace it and make sure it's a lesson learned for the greater things you do in your life. But there's no greater thing on the surface of the earth for that force to help you live the life you've been created to live, to fulfill your mission on the surface of the earth. So Abby, thank you so much for joining us today. That was absolutely incredible. And I know that all of the listeners are going to just be inspired and moved. Thanks a lot for having me, Dr. Hans. And have a wonderful day ahead and good luck to all the listeners too.